And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Matt? It helps if I unmute. Hi there, everybody. <laughs> Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt, and you can find uh, episodes of the Horizon Roundtable on Twitter as well at horizon rt and you can find us on our website at horizonroundtable.com and matt of course we are at part two of the 2020 jimmy lemke fan battle royale yeah part two part two um so i think we might have had a couple of people fall off just a little but for right now let's see who we actually do have um kevin uh over at green bay i know you're still there yep i'm here bob all right kevin pileski um, Aaron Dunn, I think you're still there, correct? From IUPUI? Yep. Outstanding. Uh, Mathis Amadon, Banana Man, representing yeah, I'm uh, still here. Outstanding from Wright State. Um, let's see here. Tim Bundy, from uh, representing Cleveland State. I know you're still there. I am still here. Outstanding. Uh, Sean O'Neill, um, UD yep. underscore Sean. University yep. UD, UDM. You know, you get, I'm sure there will be another. I'm sure there'll be another discussion about branding somewhere not in this podcast. <laughs> but I know you're still there. Thanks for being there, um, Landon Melling over at uh, over in Oakland. I saw you pop in and pop back out, but I see you're still here. You're you're back. So welcome, sir. Yep. Sorry about that. Yep, and sorry. last but Quick. and last but not least, Oyer Anderson, Flames Mania. Yep. Still here. Right. Um, I didn't miss anybody, did I? Because I'll feel like an asshole if I didn't. Uh, Purdue Fort Wayne's still here, too. Travis is here. Travis Alinsky. I'm sorry, Matt. You're good. You're good. Uh, Who's Purdue Fort Wayne? Are you, who, who the hell is this? Nice going, Bob. Sorry. I forgot the, I forgot the new team already. Wow. That is so terrible. I'm going to hell. And you can see. Yeah, you can got, you guys. Oh, that's just new. I know. I know. Um, so... What I actually uh, – so I want to get into uh, some of the other questions I have. Uh, since we started off kind of with the first part, uh, asking a few questions about individual teams, I want to start – I want to actually start this episode off uh, with Oakland. Is this team, is this Rashad Williams' team now? Well, if you would have asked me that question before all of the transfers, I would have said maybe not. Um, but now with all the transfers that have hit the portal, um, I think it definitely is Rashad Williams' team. Um, when you had guys like Trey Maddox, um, you know, you had Kenny Pittman off the bench. You had guys that could score the ball who uh, could take a little bit of that load off Rashad Williams. But, I mean, now I, you, can't, you can only rely on the incoming freshmen so much. So Rashad Williams is going to have to keep up. Um, that production and even maybe even in increase his production over this next coming year if Oakland's going to um, make a jump in this Horizon League. So, uh, how, anybody else, everybody agree that this is uh, this is Rashad Williams' team, or uh, is there somebody else going to magically? Uh, do you, do you see somebody else on Oakland that's going to be that could possibly you know be kind of a help? If Noah, for for lack of a better word, 
Here's one name that can definitely help. Sorry to step on your toes here, Landon, but it's someone that Travis can probably tell us about. If they can get Zion Young from Western Illinois eligible, what would that do for this team? Yeah, I, Zion, uh, he he was quite the player over at Western Illinois. Um, he's a high-energy kind of player, a good shot maker. I definitely think uh, if they can get him eligible, they're going to really enjoy him. He He's really a really a good addition. I was kind of sad to see him jump into the Horizon League with the Dons because he uh, he's quite the player. But, I mean, you're always excited to see good players, but you know he – He's like he can beat you too. So I think you'll uh, the whole Horizon League will enjoy seeing him play for sure. So, um, uh, speaking of the Summit League, I, I I guess we have to ask this question because it's coming up this year, the the Horizon League Summit Challenge. <laughs> um. There were, and I don't, you know, I know when this was originally announced, there were some folks who kind of scoffed at it a little bit. But if we're being honest with ourselves, the Summit League isn't as bad as the Summit League used to be in years gone by. In fact, in a lot of cases, they're actually kind of better. First of all, do you agree with that assessment? And second of all, what do you guys think will be kind of the overall impact of this challenge on the horizon league as a whole uh, i can take this one first because i've been following the summit league for so long and i look back at the the rpi conference ratings over the last five years now last year the summit was one spot better than the horizon the year before the summit really had a bad year they were five spots lower than the horizon in 27th but then you go back to 2017 18 they were seven spots better um they were about the same in 2016. And then when Val, so Valpo really helped the Horizons RPI, it looks like, because that the two highest results for the Horizon League were when Valpo was still in the league. But you go back to 2015-16 when the Dons actually uh, made the NIT because they won the regular season. The Summit League finished 12th uh, in RPI above conferences like the Missouri Valley, among others. So... I think having those big state schools with North Dakota State, South Dakota State, that both finished in the top 125 in RPI last year, um, that really helped. Uh, so I do think overall their Summit League has shown just a little bit more prowess in basketball in recent years, um, but they're they're really pretty about equal in the past few years. So I, I don't think that one would be necessarily considered better than the other. I think they're about equal with maybe the summit having just a slight advantage because of those big state schools that I don't know the horizon league quite has, you know, the schools that have national titles in football, like South Dakota state, North Dakota state do. I think everybody's going to benefit from this. Um, the way I read it is they're going to try to match up teams that have had similar uh, RPI or Ken Palm rankings over a three, four year period. So, you know, teams like Wright State are probably going to get North Dakota State, South Dakota State. And your IUPUIs are going to get Denver and Western Illinois. And what's going to cause is opportunities to win games either on the road or at home. Um, and the Horizon League can hopefully uh, win a majority of those games. Um, Green Bay situation, they, their schedule is almost set and it looks like they're only getting one game in the, in the Horizon Summit Challenge. 
but with the odd number of teams in each league, I'm guessing some schools are going to play one and some are going to play two, uh, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, so moving on, um, Olier, this one's for you with you, Luke Gaklich at the helm of, uh, of UIC. How did they adjust to both him and the departure of all of their seniors from this year? Cause obviously they had a bunch. Actually, I think, the, I think the adjustment will be not as bad as some would think. Uh, in my opinion, uh, I don't want to say <laughs> addition by subtraction, but, um, uh, I think you have a, a core that remains that, in my opinion, are more receptive to to teaching and 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 and, and playing a team game than uh, the, the the ones that left. And there were pretty much uh, a couple of guys that kind of, in my opinion, um, uh, you know, uh, the young man uh, Tarkus Ferguson and um, Ferguson. Jordan Blount. Of those two. Uh, I would say addition by subtraction, not to disparage those guys, but when you're pulling up 35, 40 feet from, uh, I mean, a three-point line shooting ball and uh, with no conscience, uh, I, I think that's very undisciplined ball. Uh, the quarter the we have coming back, seem like they're more disciplined players. Uh, we had a young man, the freshman, Taylor, who, Brian Taylor, who is a pretty good player. I saw flashes from him. Uh, he's staying. Uh, the guys that are coming in, Raquandis Mitchell, Tevion Kirk, and uh, Zion Griffin, they'll be able to help. Uh, next year, again, after, well, the 21-22 will be, I think, the year where I'm expecting them to make the dance. Uh, and I know people are saying about uh, Coach, uh, Coach Yak, the, the guy hasn't coached a game yet. Well, he hasn't coached as a head coach. But uh, if we remember, Michigan, Coach John Beeline gave uh, Coach Yak the entire defense. He let him run the defense. Uh, he let him put in his, uh, install his uh, discipline and his culture. So he has coached, uh, he just not as, the, not as a head coach. And we all know what he did with Michigan's defense when he was there for those two years. Uh, so I think Coach Yak will make a, a big difference and it goes back to what I said earlier. It's about coaching. When, when, when John Brandon came into the league with NKU, you can see the difference in the style of play. You know, you know they weren't going to make the dance in this first year. Well, well, you didn't think so. But the style of play, and I notice when coaches come in, that's what I look for. I look for the style of play, how this coach is, is directing this team, how the team plays, are they disciplined? Uh, do they play team concept? Do they listen to the coach? And I think Coach Yak is a teacher still at heart. He still considers himself a teacher after just basically coming out of high school coaching. So I think the players are receptive to him. A lot of players, as you've noticed, are transferring to UIC because they like Coach Yak. But, uh, and so I think the Flames, uh, for me, I'm just looking for marked improvement. From the past few years, man, I am, I'm just desperate for high IQ players high IQ coaching that knows how to draw up X's and O's and a change in the culture from losing undisciplined turnover basketball to great play. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess my next question would be then um, 
moving on from UIC because I, I guess my well, I, I guess a fo- as a follow up question is, uh, man, I, I don't really have one. Wow. <laughs> um, what do you so say to gonna, that? Huh? What do you say to that? Yeah. All right. I know. It's cool. like yeah, there you go. <laughs> um. So the next question I have is, or would be geared towards a Youngstown State fan, but obviously since they're, you know, one of three who aren't here, I'm going to bring, I'm going to actually pose the question to all of you then. For only the third, because, because again, for only the third time since joining the Horizon League and the Youngstown State finished with a winning record, and take with what you will on that one, is next year the season is next year the year that the Penguins finally compete for a conference title? I think, I think so, it's actually. yes. Oh, yeah, be honest. I mean, they have all the pieces back, assuming that Darius Quisenberry comes back. Um, I know he's testing the waters with the NBA, but I don't see him leaving for the NBA. Um, they kind of remind me this past year of what probably Cleveland State will be this year, taking that jump from the bottom to the middle and now they're taking that next step to compete for the title so i i think they have a really good chance with all the pieces they have back another year their coach calhoun um yeah when seeing youngstown state we played them um seeing darian quizberry i've actually seen quizberry play when he was in high school um he went to my whole he was their rival was our hometown uh high school so seeing him play from high school to college was just like he just brought the same game and he still can uh, bring whatever he wants to the table. Uh, he's a really good basketball player. We, uh, I enjoyed watching him, and I can't wait to see. I see that with the recruiting class, they can uh, show impact on what they do. I think the question is going to become, can Youngstown be where they want to be without Darius Quisenberry if he does not return? I don't think he's not going to go to the NBA, but I would not be shocked if they tell him he needs to go high major or he just decides to go Europe. And I think that's going to be the question. Is Youngstown prepared to weather that storm? It just right. very, yeah, just very varies. Um, I saw that he, I don't, when I see him, like I maybe give him another couple, maybe a year or two in uh, college play and then try to test the waters. But I don't see, if he doesn't come back, Youngstown just needs to find another player like him. I see him doing that for at least one more year. Yeah, man, I think that Javon Freeman Liberty thing got us all shook. <laughs> Where he just pulled out and then transferred. I mean, man, uh, I I am in. I'm of the, and I'm also of the opinion that I think Darius Quisenberry comes back next season for Youngstown State. I think he does. I mean, if there's a possibility he transfers, but I don't think he does. Yeah, I think he comes back as well. I think I think their their fortunes probably obviously their fortunes, you know, their fortunes kind of live and die with Quisenberry, which is ironic because if you've seen the history, if we've, since we've seen the history of Youngstown State, their fortunes, you know, are always on pinned on one guy, be it a Kendrick Perry or a, um, you know, it, or somebody like that. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think in this case, I think. Quisenberry is one piece of a much larger puzzle, and I think he, I, I'd like, like to say he gets that, and we'll see him back next year. I mean, we'll all be, we'll be able to. You know, I'm sure we'll have a conversation with Jared Calhoun about this in the coming 
in the in in the coming weeks. Uh, spoiler alert. But yeah, that's that that'll be a quite. I don't think that's gonna be. I I really do think Quisenberry's gonna come back next year. So, um, so this is a good question. So now that you got Tan Campbell coming back. And now you have, you know, Amari Davis is freshman of the year, and you got a kid like PJ Pipes coming back. Where does Green Bay find itself situated next season, even though you don't have Jaquan McLeod? Yeah, I think it's gonna be very interesting. There's a lot of uh, losses. They lost Jaquan McLeod. They lost Cam Hankerson, Cody Schwartz. Um, they had some losses into the portal with Dravion Bell, um, Manny Patterson, Hunter Chris grad transferred to Binghamton. So you look at all those losses, and that's a lot to replace. But you have the freshman of the year and Amari Davis back. Um, you have a, a, a guard in P.J. Pipes who shot 45% from three. That's going to be expected to do more. And I'm looking forward to him having a little bit more volume with the shot. Um, Tank Hemphill is back. Tank Hemphill is one of those 6'6 wiry guys that blocks shots, plays above the rim, gets a lot of rebounds. Um, Green Bay fans, he shot 45% from the free throw line two years ago. And that was I got a lot, a lot under people's skin, but he had a whole year where he didn't play. So I'm hoping that free throw percentage definitely gets better. Um, they add a, a transfer from Illinois State who's eligible and Josh Jefferson who shot over 40% from three in the Missouri Valley two years ago. Um, they brought in three junior, junior college transfers. And Link Darner's done really well with his junior college transfers. Think guys like Jaquan McLeod, um, Charles Cooper. Um, and they have a guy named Leon Ayers that's expected to probably step right into the starting lineup as well. They're going to be small. Um, but you look at, you know, guys like Manny Patterson, you look at guys like Travion Bell, Link Darner never really trusted those guys. He wouldn't play them more than 15 to 20 minutes a game anyway. So I think they're just going to have that crazy running gun style even more so than in past years and play small and maybe plug in some guys when they need size. Um, they have a returning player in Will Chevalier, who's 6'8", wide shoulder guy that can step out and hit threes as well. Um, they have a freshman coming in from lacrosse and Terrence Thompson that everybody's really, really high on. Um, he had looks from DePaul, Bradley, uh, Duquesne, and he committed. Um, played high school ball with the uh, Davis brothers, who will be freshmen at Wisconsin this year. Probably one of the best teams in Wisconsin last year. Um, so there's a lot of pieces coming out, but then a lot of people returning, as well as some guys who didn't play last year that were part of the program with Hank Hemphill and Josh Jefferson. So um, I think they're going to be in that 3-4 mix like they always seem to be. Um, Link Darner's got a contract where he gets an extension on – Every year they're fourth or higher, and he seems to every year get about third or fourth and keep that thing going. So I have a feeling they're going to be in the mix once again, and hopefully they can have a, a nice run in their Eisenhower tournament. A conversation. I, I, I think we haven't we haven't had a conversation about this for a long, long time since like he since Link Darner showed up. Um, it, does RFP 40 still exist? Is that still a thing? Because I don't see anybody talking about it anymore, unless I'm like not paying attention. It's not really a thing. Um, they don't pick up, I would say, 90 feet. Um, you know, their Ken Palm defense is in the 300s. It has not been a strong point of the team. They just play fast. And it, it's a fun style of basketball to watch. I think it helps recruit players. Um, I think they're, they're going to have a roster makeup this year where I'd like to see them pick up even more and trap and do various things. A guy like Tank Hemphill, I remember two years ago, was a guy that would get steals in midcourt and help with traps with his long arms. Um, I don't think their roster last year was necessarily set up to, to do that, where they're going to be set up this year with a, a smaller team. So um, 
know, they played at a crazy pace, and I don't think and I don't see anything changing next year. Has he done away with the the RP forty, or he's just not able to recruit the types of players for that defense, or he's just uh, focusing on playing defensively and not worrying too much about the defense? Yeah, I think at times you get, you know, especially in a conference season, you get set on matchups and various things that, you know, the right situation, they'd have guys trap and do, do things like that. But uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm not really sure, you know, if this year is going to be more of an emphasis on, on going to the full court. I definitely think they have the, the roster to do it this year. And um, with the junior college guys they got coming in, I, I think they'll have a deep enough bench where they'll be able to do it as well. Oh well, this is the uh, I was gonna this, again a question that I was gonna have for a Northern Kentucky fan, but obviously not here at the moment. It does Derek and Horton expound on Northern Kentucky's Horizon League tournament crown, or is he facing a rebuild next year? I think it might be a slight rebuild. I mean, uh, he did well with John Brandon's players. Uh, but his, I guess you want to call him one of his star players, transferred uh, to Arkansas. I forget his name. His, I know his name, but his name escapes me right now. But at any rate, uh, I don't think it, yeah, Tate, yeah, he's moved on. I don't think it'll be a total rebuild. Uh, he's obviously going to have to replace some parts. But I think uh, he can do it because NKU is, is establishing themselves now. Uh, and I think it won't be as difficult for him to uh, to get players in that that fit his style and uh, fit his mode to at least keep them uh, relevant. Yeah, I. What I, I think we need more of a rebuild than that. Really? Yeah, I think the uh, I think the other th- the other part of that I think not just Jalen Tate, but you know obviously Silas and Decky, who I'm sure is really uh, really. Um, Really happy with his decision to transfer to East ETSU. Now that Steve Forbes has taken the job at Wake Forest, oops. Um, but I think between Tate and Adeki, that's going to be an interesting. I, I don't know. I I think they kind of backslide a little this year. My thought is, you know, a lot of these teams are trending up. You know, at least on paper, it's always talking on paper, but. At some point, if all these other teams are going up, someone has to come down. You know, if Youngstown State is going to make the move up, cool. Well, then who are they replacing? You know, and I think Northern Kentucky is the easy one to say they're, you know, they're going to have to take a step back or someone else to take a step forward. I'm not sure if Wright State is going to take a step back, and I know we're going to get to Banana Man and his opinion on that in a minute. But, I mean, if, if for teams to go forward, somebody has to go back. There's only so many spots at the top. Well, when I was going through trying to predict the order of teams, I struggled with Northern Kentucky and Cleveland State because you have two teams, one ascending, one descending. Um, but a program like Northern Kentucky, you you just trust until you're proven otherwise that they're going to replace guys and be probably above 500 in the Horizon League. But you get two teams from different directions, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Speaking of Wright State, I have to ask, okay, obviously they won the regular season and then the tournament came and blah. Yeah. So so can Wright State come back from that tournament set, setback and win an NCAA bid? Um, do they do that next year? 
I see it. Uh, we just, we have to like study more because we have to like build more because we uh, did lose um, Bill. We lost Bill Wampler and uh, Cole Gentry to gra- uh, to graduate. Um, we still have Loudon uh, towards the end of the uh, towards the end of this regular season. He was very comfortable with what he was doing. Like we all know, he's not one of the best free throw sh- uh, shooters in the league. He, uh, but he worked on that. Um, I could see it. Yes, we got, we were a blah in the tournament first round. Um, we always liked, we always like had a thing at Rice State is, uh, we always like, we had like a thing, like the number two seed always went on to win the championship. We, uh, saw a recurrence of that. Um, but I could, I could see us, um, we're bringing back Loudon. We're bringing back uh, Tanner Holden. Tanner Holden. Um, we're bringing back a lot of new and up and coming people. Our uh, recruiting class. We got some. We have. We got a uh, shooting forward, a power forward, and a, a shooting guard. Um, and I'm ready to see how we turn out. Um, the fan base is always behind us. Um, I love the fan base so much. You you mentioned the fan base. I actually have a question about that. This might turn into a quick tangent for more than just Wright State fan too. But um, yeah, the the display that you guys put on um, on national television against Northern Kentucky was spectacular. And I, as everyone knows, I'm an Oakland fan. I've seen a lot of good crowds on TV, but the the, the effort from your fan base that that night on television was just incredible. What do you guys need to do to get that more consistent? Because I know that's not always the case, but man, did you guys show up when you needed to. So my uh, question, two part, like, what, so the, what do you guys need to do as a school and as a fan base to try to get that more consistent? And then my question is for other people, you know, Oakland, IUPI, anyone, like, what are you guys trying to do to build your fan base going forward to get these consistently great crowds? Oh, uh, I can hop in on this one. Oh, sorry, do you want to go? Okay. Uh, we've been, uh, yeah, we've been, uh, we started organization, we're starting a student organization, it's a real story, we call ourselves the, the Rowdy Raiders of, of it, so we've been, um, going through and having meetings with the assistant athletic director, um, the marketing manager, and just try to get us, like, out, will we... Well, we started to get a lot of students out for the game. We've been having student happy hour at the games. What does that um, entail? Huh. It, uh, it was like, I think it was $2 White Claw, $2 beer, and then like two, uh, like $2, like dollar, $2 hot dogs. And um, they, they had it for the Northern Kentucky game. Well, we usually have like a prep rally for North. That's what. Because Northern Kentucky is our everyone really doesn't like Northern Kentucky at Rice State, and so we had that was one of our biggest games. We'll have like a prep rally, and we just been just going out and um, seeing the display of what you're saying the national television of like the green out. That was seeing that from like where like front of the court from the lower level like court level to see all the lights. It was just spectacular. I. I was surprised. I was like scared for our like our players because they'll get flustered, but they didn't fluster against Northern Kentucky. So, what other fan bases? Anyone else can jump in. What anybody else have anything that you guys know that your fan base is trying to 
prepare for to get things even better, whether you've got a great fan base and you need to keep it or you're trying to build one? At UIC, um, I can talk a little bit about. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, man. So I can talk a little bit about Oakland. So, um, as a lot of you guys probably already know, the Grizz gang has been pretty established. Like its own, its own government. It is its own student organization itself. Um, it's not just a bunch of fans. I mean, there's a lot of planning and behind the scenes go- that goes on. They have a president, vice president, treasurer. They got it all. So the way that it's structured has it set up so that the Grizz gang can be successful. Well, in the away games that they travel to, the Grizz will organize um, fan buses, as uh, Matt was talking about earlier. And they also have showings inside of the Oakland Center on a, on a big uh, projector they play some of these away games. So just putting on the events like that and the way that it's ran with uh, the leadership at the top of the Grizz gang is kind of what makes it successful and is what um, has helped it stand the test of time. And that's why at Cleveland State, they've lowered ticket prices, lower season ticket prices, try to win the casual fan back and doing things along those lines. They have a happy hour also. I don't know. It doesn't seem too, too impressive, but it's two one six happy hour. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that. And, and actually, and I don't know if any other school has done this. I know Cleveland state just sent out and I can't believe they did this. They, uh, they actually sent out like an actual, they sent out like a fan survey, um, which is something I have not seen. I've not seen in years previous. It seems like kind of a new thing for them. And I don't know if any of the, do any of the other Horizon League schools do something like that where they're actually trying to get into uh, seeing how their fans will, what they can get to get their fans to come back. Is there something similar? Is there is there a similar type of kind of survey or something that, that you know, schools around the Horizon League do as well? Um, the IUPUI actually has something um... – both first year and second year, they normally send out a survey and saying something along the lines, if you do the survey, you have a chance of like getting a, I want to say a 25 gift card to Amazon or something like that. Seeing like, what's your opinion about like what we do as a fan base at our basketball games, men and women's, and what can we do to improve on those? Like, oh, do you like the themes we have? Is there something things we need to change and whatnot. Yeah, that sounds good. I know at, yeah. at Green Bay, oh, sorry, Bob, but at, uh, no, go at ahead, Green go Bay, ahead, I filled out a, a survey two years ago that they asked, you know, what sort of game day promotions you like, whether that's giveaways, bobbleheads, um, you know, beer specials, um, and then the pros and cons of, you know, playing games on Saturdays at noon versus Saturdays at six or seven o'clock. So I know this past year, there were more six or seven o'clock games on Saturday than there was previously. Now with, with Green Bay, they share an arena with a USHL hockey team. So there's all sort of logistical things they have to work out, but um, they, they definitely sent that out to the season ticket holders. I haven't seen a survey from Rice State. Uh, It'll, uh, so, but we just go off basically how, like, what we do with the tickets and what we want to bring back. Um, but we like to see how, like, our fans are and then, like, how 
organization like what you want us to see and we'll make that happen next game like next game we'll have it like go just like don't want to keep the anticipation of like we've got let's say we'll have another green out and they want to green out the next game well then they have to wait till north kentucky um we just started with a big rivalry with uh no i don't know if it's a big rivalry but we're starting with a lot of get a lot, we got a lot of students to the uic game when we played uic at uh at the nutter center um uh, all right, I guess I gotta ask the. This is the elephant in the room. I gotta ask this. Um, obviously, with with COVID nineteen and all that going on, is that gonna affect the upcoming season at all? I think it will affect non conf teams. Really? Sure. Yep. Okay. I think You're it's gonna, gonna be have interesting his for. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You're fine. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting with schools like in the Horizon League, um, if there's limited fans, you know, these non-conference teams playing a, a Montana State or a Northern Illinois, you can't have more than 100 people maybe in the stands. Are they going to play all those games? Now, I could see a situation where, you know, the big power schools are going to pay us to go travel there anyway. And they might just play a handful of non-conference games, and then hopefully things get better by the conference season. Um, but there, I mean, there's a lot of things we don't know yet. But I think it's going to affect it in some way, shape, or form. Um, with social distancing, I think a lot of the schools in the Rise League are set up well. They could space the fans out like normal, and people would be okay. With their big <laughs> really, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to say, you know, if I, you I, only have a rest center in Green Bay can hold 10,000 if they need to, and we average barely over 2,000 fans. So they could space everybody out if they really wanted to and have the game. If Detroit Mercy can put 100 people in their in their uh, arena or in their gym, then what are they going to do with the other 90 seats? <laughs> easy, Rod. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all, yeah. Well, you know that. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's that I. We're gonna see something. I, I I really do. What? But it, it just seems like it's the unknown. I mean, I don't know what's gonna what's gonna look like. You don't know what it's gonna look like. And Jesus, I mean, we've been kind of flying a little. We've been flying pretty blind the last few months. So I mean, well, that's one great. thing. Grace, we have is that like we're talking about the ten thousand seat venues. It isn't like anyone's gonna be turning away from going to a game. This is like true. pretty much get a section yourself. So I mean, if there's a saving, there's a silver lining. There it is. I'd like to say, hopefully, social distancing finally gets rid of the curtain at the Wolstein Center, because they'll need the space. You know who might have <laughs> oh, a really there you perspective? Go. Uh, Landon. I hate that fucking curtain. <laughs> Landon, do you have any perspective, like as a student athlete? Obviously, you don't play basketball, but do you have any perspective for what next year might look like for from a student athlete perspective? Uh, yeah, I do. So um, Oakland University's president has already gone on to publicly kind of lay out this plan for what um, the fall semester is going to look like and potentially the upcoming winter semester as well. So the the plan that was kind of laid out for us is, is, is it was going to be a hybrid type situation where you're going to have students that are going to be able to be on campus and you're going to have some classes that will still be on campus while some will go online. And in the plan that our president, uh, Ora Peskovitz, laid out, um, she talked about athletics, and one of the things that she specifically said was that athletic events plan. She, she they plan on having athletic events still, but 
uh, explicitly stating that there wouldn't be any fans as far as um, at any of the events at Oakland. So hopefully, you know, we see things start to improve and maybe um, not have that plan fully acted on because I can tell you um, as a, as an athlete myself, I wouldn't really enjoy um, competing with no fans in the arena. And I'm sure uh, the basketball players, and I mean me as a basketball fan too, feel that way that I will, you know, it's just not the same without fans. So uh, again, she, she has came on record of saying that that's not only a possibility, but in her current plan. So uh, hopefully things change by then. And I'll put this question on top of that. Do you see games moving to smaller venues if they're not going to have fans? I know I mean, in Green, well, with Green Bay, we, we go back and forth between uh, the Crest Center on campus, uh, where the women primarily play, and then the Rush Center off campus. And it, it gets a little bit heated. I think um, the university saves some money by playing the games on campus, but a lot of the donors, a lot of the fans prefer the game off campus. It's closer to Well, if they can't go to the games then, if, the, if um, the donors and stuff can't go to the games anyways, you might as well play them on campus. Yeah, I think that would definitely happen. If they're going to have limited uh, attendance, you know, if they can get out of their contract with PMI, the company that owns the arena, I for sure see them playing it on campus. As a follow-up, Edison. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I can definitely see that going on at IEPUI since we rent out for our men's team um, the Farmers Coliseum. Um, our women's team stadium, the jungle, is a bit smaller, so I can definitely see games happening at the jungle rather than the Farmers Coliseum. Plus, it also depends on like when certain states to lift up their... Um, stay-at-home order. I know here in Indiana, Marion County just extended that order to May 14th, while other counties um, lifted it at May 4th, and we're slowly um, opening up more and more businesses here in the state of Indiana. That is true. I'm in Porter, but I'm staying my ass inside. <laughs> um, but another question, uh, actually, this is another question I want to ask, and this actually comes in because this actually is tied to um, the non-conference games, specifically the buy games. Specific, more importantly, um, in terms of the finances at each of the schools, I know, Sean, you brought this up specifically for Detroit Mercy. How does this affect financially this, uh, the Horizon League as a, in terms of their, in terms of athletic budgets? Um, I know in Ohio they've been and across the Mac they've been having a big I'm sure they've been having a big to do about specifically some of the oh, some of these football teams that are been losing been hemorrhaging money for years and now it's really coming to a head. Does that is it is this is it, do we see a similar impact within the Horizon League where we're actually faced with uh, where we're going to start looking realistically at you know limited budgets and to the extreme sports getting cut. Yeah, that's why we're uh, Green Bay actually in the last two weeks just cut men's and women's women's tennis. So it's, I think it's happening already across the country. So, um, you know, as this thing lingers on, I think the NCAA is going to have to be, um, they're going to have to figure out you know, like, the number of schools that certain athletic departments can have and maybe, you know, pulling those restrictions. Um, and, and the model of Division One athletics definitely could change. 
not so that's exactly why I was saying all the fucking non-conference games. Conference games, everything's travelable within a reasonable distance. Where you're not going to send someone to a non-conf game on the other side of the country. This is true. Yeah. So, um, the one last question I had is, I guess I probably, you know, uh, this has been a question I've asked in years past, but I'm going to ask it again, even though the answer is probably no. Will the Horizon League add another school? And if so, who do you think it will be? I think, I think it's just a matter of time, matter of time before they do, and I can see two sixteen divisions. Okay. You don't want an odd number. No. I have no clue who the team will be, but you don't want an odd number, and I can see two sixteen divisions to keep it interesting for more people as you get later in the season. Well, I think uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm torn. I think they they will add another team to make it twelve. <laughs> But in doing so, what becomes of the total number of conference games? If you have 11 uh, right now with uh, a lot of the, the power conferences uh, cutting back, they're going to 20 games and cutting back on non-conference games for teams like or conferences like us, then you we'd probably have to go to 20 games as well. So having 11 teams, you can go 20 games. That still uh, lets you have a round-robin uh, season. But if you go 12, then you may have to go to two 16 divisions or cut back on. Uh, you're not going to have uh, everybody playing uh, each team twice. So uh, it's, it's I don't know, half a dozen of Which one. Which is why I brought up the two 16 divisions. Right, right. Two 16 with, divisions, you have 16 games, you have 16 conference games, you have 18 now. Yeah, but now, if you, now, now when you cut that back, then where are you going to get your non-conference games from? Because the power conference is not going to give us too many of those games. Now you're going to have to go to, uh, God forbid, lower mid-major games. And that's not going to help your net or RPR or whatever they're using now. So uh, we're still screwed. It's going to, yeah, I, I think it'll be, like I said, this is probably going to be a longer term question that we have. Obviously, they're not going to add another, they're not going to add a 12 team next year. It's no. going to be at 11, so um, I guess we'll we'll find out soon enough, I suppose. But um, I, I I suspect that uh, we'll – and it, it's a question as old as time, as old as we've all been Horizon League fans. I mean, <laughs> how many times have we had this conversation? I, yeah. I've lost count. <laughs> and for the record, right. my choice would be RMU if we were to expand. Robert Morris, okay. They'd be my first choice, yeah. That's the I one. I would say in a, in a couple years, uh, Bellarmine out of Louisville, Kentucky, be a good good city that matches kind of the Horizon League in the in the footprint. Um, they're just going Division One this year in the Atlantic Sun, so kind of similar to Northern Kentucky, how they uh, went to Division One. So in a few years, I think they'll be a great option. Actually, you know what? I forgot about them. They're actually would be my better choice than RMU and USI, Universal Southern Indiana. But uh, again, I digress. Sure. Sure. All like right. all goes back to the travel. I'd rather have in Kentucky or Indiana than a not bald state like Pennsylvania when you have schools from Wisconsin that have to travel there. If budget's going to be a short-term concern, there you go. Well, Green Bay sure. is basically the Siberia of the Horizon League, so we're going to have to travel no matter <laughs> who we play. This is true. This is true. All right. Um, so 
we've now come to the final, we've come to the, the end of the second episode, so uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to have everybody give their last thoughts, and we're going to do this in reverse order as we did in the first episode, so uh, Travis, you're up first. Okay, so first of all, I've really enjoyed uh, learning a little bit more about the Horizon League since I, I haven't been following it as closely as the Summit League over the past few years, um, but I think the goal for the, the Dons this year is to finish in the top half for sure, um, be a competitor, you know, maybe knock off the top echelon of teams like the, you know, Wright States and Northern Kentuckys um, and, and kind of get their name out there. Now, we, as I mentioned, they have a lot of newcomers. It seems like that's been a recurring theme year after year. But I think that's throughout college basketball as well uh, with kids not, as we talked about, not staying um, at the school that they originally started at. But there's a, a lot coming back for the Dons, and some of the additions they have, I think, should patch some of those three-point shooting holes that they had last year. Um, if they can keep the steady defense that they played last year and improve the offense, I think finishing the top half is a, is a great spot for them, and, and hopefully they, they can contend for the top. But it's hard to say in the first year, um, especially as the Dons learn all the other teams and the other teams kind of learn how Purdue-Fort Wayne plays. So, again, uh, thanks for having me on, um, and I look forward to uh, seeing how the year plays out, hopefully not affected too much by COVID. Aaron, what do you, uh, you're up next. Um, all I can wish for, for um, the IEPUI side of things is that our men's team really works on their defensive skills, since that seems to be a thing both our team lacks on. And um, also improve on three-pointers because that's one thing we didn't have this year, unlike last year where we did have that. And um, I'm also hoping that maybe we have a bigger fan base as we get more students, especially from high school. I can try and recommend, oh, come to basketball games and whatnot. And, uh, yeah. Kevin? I'm sorry, Kevin, uh, Detroit Kevin. <laughs> Sean, damn it, sorry, I'm an idiot. Who the hell is Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, Sean, Expect Elvis. me to go that quick, so. It was, a, it, was a it was a branding issue, it happens. Uh, damn it, you <laughs> That's what I was just saying. Um, just want to take this time to thank all the uh, first responders, healthcare workers, essential employees. Uh, everyone continue to stay safe out there. Uh, may the fourth be with you if you're a Star Wars fan, and uh, go Titans! Damn it! I wish you hadn't said that. Now, now we gotta pay Disney money because they copyrighted it. <laughs> all right, uh, Tim. Well, first of all, Bob, you have tons of money, so that shouldn't be an issue. But first of all, thank you for having me on. Excited about the success Cleveland State had this year, exciting about the recruiting class. Just want to see success breed success. Everyone stay safe and go Vikes. Uh, next up, Landon. Yeah, I just want to say uh, thank you guys again for having me on. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk uh, some hoops and kill some time on this Sunday. Um, as far as the season's concerned, you know, um, the big question mark for Oakland is going to be how the incoming um, the incoming class is going to be able to translate right away and also how they're going to be able to adapt with all of the transfers that left. So 
Um, with the Horizon League, as our friends at PFW will soon figure out, there's no guarantees, and anyone can win on any given day. So uh, it's going to be a great uh, season, and I'm excited for it. Olier, you're up next. I'm actually looking forward to this season. We have a new coach, and hopefully we will, he'll bring in a new culture, uh, some discipline, a new scheme, and move us forward uh, to, to the days of old when we did make the dance. Uh, I think we made it three times in, in our history. The last time was 2004, uh, and I'm looking for great things from Coach Yak. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, the players just adjusting to him because we have a core again that wants to win. Players he's brought in are we have three, and one one of the guys was a former four-star player. So we have the talent. It has never really been an issue of talent for UIC for I don't know how long. It's always been an issue of coaching. And I think now we have the coach, and we've said this, I think, for McLean and for Coach Moore. But I think now we have a coach that is an X's and O's coach who has a high uh, basketball IQ, and I think he'll move us in the right right direction. And again, thanks for having me on, and go Flames! Now, Kevin! <laughs> thanks, Bob. Uh, thank you for having me on. Um, I hope I lived up to the Green Bay reputation of this show with guys like Jim Sorrow and Brian Dickman, so I try to do my best. I'm really looking forward to the season. I think Green Bay's going to have you know, a lot of good pieces coming in. They lost a lot of pieces, but you know, they have Amari Davis back. They have P.J. Pipes back, Tank Hemphill. Um, I think they're going to be a contender in this league and play definitely a faster pace, if that's even possible, than they have in the past. And, you know, it's if anything, if you're bored on a Thursday night, your team's struggling, you can always throw the Green Bay game on ESPN Plus, and you never know what you're going to see. And last but not least, Mathis. Uh, thank you again for having me. Um, I'm excited to see how we uh, develop, um, how the team is. We're losing some good three-point shooters of uh, Bill and Cole Gentry. And I am excited to see how our fan base turns out, even our student section. Um, we lost we lost one of our main student section person, but um, we are going to battle back, and we're going to get a new president, we're hoping that we can bring a lot more to uh, Horizon League. Also, I also want to see the Summit versus Horizon. I want to see Rice State versus uh, South Dakota State. Uh, Scott Nagy's alma mater play against each other. That would have been a good game. All right. With that, that is going to wrap everything up. Everybody, thank you once again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, Brandon and Chris over at Milwaukee and, and Northern Kentucky, you guys missed out. Don't know what to tell you. Better luck next time. <laughs> so very sad, but we know you're with you're either with us in spirit or we'll just you know I'm sure the I'm sure your fans will be really happy. They're gonna listen to this whole thing and say, "Damn it, where are my fans?" I don't know. Anyway, um, as always, you can listen to episodes of the Horizon Roundtable. On our website at horizonroundtable.com, you can find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable wherever podcasts are, are available. Be sure to subscribe to wherever you go, and also you can pull these up on your uh, Google or Amazon devices. So uh, that's going to do it, and <laughs> the 2020 Jimmy Lemmy fan battle royale is in the book, so thank you all for listening. <laughs>